Usually when I hear the term daddy issues, it's from someone being super judgy over how a woman is dressed. She has her titties all out? Well, she probably has abandonment issues. Hey, maybe she does. Or maybe she just wants to show off her cool ass boobs. I'm so excited um, because this is the first time I am doing a two-part show. So this is part one of two episodes yes, yes. where I am going to be joined by a good friend of mine, um, Glamazon Tayomi, and we are going to dig into quite a few shows. So welcome the real, the real. <laughs> Glamazon Tayomi. Yes. Yes. And that comes from you being an Amazon. Uh, yeah, yeah. I am a glamorous and I'm an Amazon woman. I'm 5'10 and a quarter. And I'm typically like 6'2 because I wear like four inches. Y'all don't listen. She came in my house and was a whole 6'8. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, basically before we started this episode, um, we kind of had the conversation on where people put women and how if someone is sexually liberated or a quote unquote hoe that they must have daddy issues. I'm not even sure, mm-hmm. you know, if I added a trigger warning to this or not. Um, but the funny thing about it is not all women have motherfucking yep. daddy issues. And Tayomi for one does not. I ain't got nan one. She said, not now one. But before we get into, I guess, the deep dive in this part one of a part two series, can we literally get into that? Can we start from the very beginning? Can we get into your childhood? And can you let everyone know the upbringing and relationship that you did have with men? Yeah, so I'm from Chicago, born and raised. And I have a twin sister. And my parents, they've been married since their 20s. They're still together. My father is a Marine veteran. So... He, he told me, he said, he never thought that he would have children. But then when the idea came up, he was like, okay, yeah, I guess, you know, I would want children. If I did have children, I would want a girl. And he had two. And he had two. And so when we were born, it was like the greatest thing in his life. He always says, like, we are his world. So I don't have daddy issues. Like, my dad was the one that really was there during my formative years because my mom, like, she was a career woman. She was the one that was the breadwinner, so she made most of the money. Wow. She was, like, working her way up the ladder in corporate at a UPS. And so at the time, she was working, like, driving trucks, making deliveries and stuff. So she was working, like, long overnights. So my dad was the one who was doing all the nurturing and caregiving, like, combing our hair, making our lunches for school, dropping us off at the bus, picking us up from school, making sure we were fed, helping with homework. So this, in fact, was a different type of father-child relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. We'd normally see this as the relationship with the mother. Right, and my mom was like, the disciplinarian she was the one educating us about like money like early like i was three years old and my mom was teaching us how to sign checks how to go to the bank how to go to the bank and make deposits and make withdrawals like she was the bank right and she would give us these little five dollar checks as our allowance and then say okay you got to come to the bank to cash it like she was teaching us that kind of stuff money economics early on but my And then we would like see her on the weekends and go shopping and stuff like that. But during the week, she was going after her career. I love that because that's just so different from even how I was raised. Um, I mean, I grew up, my mom being 
the breadwinner. Um, I lived with her by myself, but my dad, of course, scooped in and would get us the name brand stuff. And there was definitely a different dynamic emotionally with me and my father. Um, what I want to get into now is, yes, you had a great relationship with your father, but you also mentioned how you had a great relationship with all of the men um, from family members to just any man growing up. You had a good relationship with on early. So is that something that we can go ahead and get into now as well? So like, you know, my parents were together and we all were living together. Okay. And like my mom was very vocal with us about if anybody ever touches you, if anybody speaks to you inappropriately, anything, speak up, let us know, don't hold that back. And so um, my parents were young, you know, so they had their aunts and uncles and everybody like taking care of us. It was like, you know, that whole definition of it takes a village. It was literally that. So my great uncles would babysit us. My mom's uh, brother, brothers would babysit us. And so no one was ever inappropriate. No one, not, not my great uncles, not my uncles, no one. And it was so much love and like protection. Like they really protected us. And so Growing up in my formative years, I didn't have like a bad perception about men. I thought that men were loving. I thought that men were protectors. I thought that men were providers. You know, I used to watch cartoons with my dad and eat snacks. And he would always put like, you know, cute little like sweet treats and stuff in our lunchbox. So like, I don't know. I mean, even if we look into black sitcoms, we grow up seeing these dads and really good relationships even on our tv screen you know what i mean right so like fresh prince exactly. to the cosby show but clearly not the cosby show now like <sighs> we know how he is now but even growing up seeing those households on tv we do have a good image of men essentially growing it up. it mirrored my life so i was like okay i get that you know so for the longest time in my adult life I felt trepidation around even talking about this because so many people are traumatized by not having their fathers in their lives or like being abused by uncles or male cousins. And I did not have that experience. Like, I guess you can say I'm a unicorn because. But it's also crazy. You got to say that. I know. Like, it's literally crazy that as a woman, you have to say that you are basically a unicorn because you didn't experience sexual assault from a man growing Even up. Even any inappropriate advances towards me, you know? Because, like, I grew up with a body that developed early. Like, I started developing at eight years old. So even then... I didn't have uncles that were looking at me weird or, you know, saying inappropriate shit. It right. was never like that. So I really couldn't understand when I was younger, like other people's experiences and my friends, like they had their fathers in their lives too. And their fathers were like my fathers. So it wasn't even just like my dad. And my dad would also treat my friends like his daughters and still does to this day. Right. So my tribe of like inner circle of friends growing up in Chicago, we all had our fathers in our lives and they were very healthy relationships i even still go over to to their parents houses and it's like we're kicking it you know what i mean so it's just kind of sad that for the longest time i felt like fear 
around talking about this all because of other people's triggers. And I'm like, but I think, and my mentor told me this. she said, it's really important for you to speak about this more because people need to see the results of what a person can turn out as, especially a black woman when they do have loving male relationships in their lives. So you looking at her and don't assume that's because I'm a freak hoe and I'm out here and I'm empowering other women that I have some kind of like issues with daddy. I don't. And me and my dad don't, I'm going to tell you right now, my dad's a feminist. My dad's a liberal and he's not like your typical dad. So we could talk about dick and pussy shit all day long. And we do. And that's why I did want to have this conversation with you because you have such a large platform um, that is sex positive, just like I do, you know? And Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people automatically just assume that if you are a sexually liberated woman and walk in your truth and, you know, all of these things that automatically you have daddy (laughs) issues or you were assaulted (laughs) or, you know, (laughs) So we're out of your childhood. You weren't sexually assaulted. Many women may not experience that sexual assault. And still, once they become adults and they're put into real world situations where they are now being sexually involved or building relationships with men, their perspective very well can change. And I want to get into that. Oh, Lord. So if we could, let's take it there and let's dig into your first sexual experience um oh. and at what age and what- so my first partnered sexual experience was at 19 it was in new york i went to pratt institute for college so you know i'm, I'm an art geek and i fell in love with this guy who was haitian Nabulet. and um and a lot of girls had liked him on campus you know and he liked me too but i was quote unquote innocent but it was a snowy day. It was like basically we were all snowed in and everybody was drinking. And I snuck off to his room and we got it in. And I just kept thinking to myself, this is it? And this is it? And we got it in a few times after that. But what I discovered very quickly was that it's easy to, quote unquote, catch bodies. Okay. So within, I would say, three weeks of entering partnered sex, I had had like four partners. And I was like, Fuck this counting body shit, because I'm finna collect them shits quick. I'm like, it's easy to get dick. Now, bitch, if that ain't the truth, I mean, if I go back to when I started having sex, I know them bodies was adding up kind of quick. Know what I mean? Listen, I think that's a conversation in itself where you have this sex early on and you're waiting to have that loving basketball first time experience. And so you almost are chasing it because you know and you believe and have heard that it's supposed to be enjoyable and in real life it's just all right and so you just keep going and you know next thing you know it's body central and you adding up the bodies and still are not receiving the pleasure that you thought you would be receiving from this especially when you don't know your body and you're not educated so I early on made a decision to turn my sexual relationships into a classroom And I was like, first of all, I don't want sex to be the reason why a nigga breaks up with me ever. So I'm going to become a super pro at everything that although sex don't keep them either. Look, I, I knew that as well, but I just didn't want sex to be the reason why, you know, because in any because I haven't had many romantic relationships. I've had two major ones and each one I was fucking gaslit in. 
Gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse. It's where a person doubts the reality of another person, leaving that other person very, very confused. Mm -hmm. Gaslighting is sort of a signature tool of the narcissist, and they're often engaging in it to protect their fragile egos, to keep the world in line with their own reality, with little regard of how much it hurts another person when we doubt theirs. So again, it's very much a tool of manipulation, of emotional abuse, of again, second guessing someone else's reality. We'll get there later. But, um, and also I know that that was a result of me being a codependent and also me needing to fix some shit in my life as well. So not to play. Now you said you got everything you needed from men growing up. So at what point did you feel like you were searching for something that was missing? Like, what were you not getting anymore? It was an internalized thing. Like, there were, because I was bullied growing up. Okay. People don't, people couldn't look at me now and even fathom that. But my teeth were so fucking crooked. They were throwing up gang signs from every set you could think of. Okay, crowded as hell. Perfect now has seven years of orthodontal work done. Um, and my mom was not the one to buy us name brand anything. Right. Okay, and and having a body that was growing so fast. Like, we used to flood and shit. Like, you used to get roasted. I'm from Chicago. Niggas will fry your ass up over the simplest of things. So, and I was a nerd, too. Like, I was quiet in school and very smart and not really, like, up on the hip shit that everybody was else was up on. I was growing up in church. You know, church girl, quiet, good girl, all this shit. You know what I'm saying? So I got teased. So although everything was good at home, you had internal battles on finding a way to yes. yourself, basically. I did. And then also, like, I grew up with a twin sister. And then even, like, in comparing myself to her, that was a big thing, too. So I internalized a lot. And I had these internal battles. I grew up with depression. Like, depression was my best friend growing up. And I developed anorexia from that. And I didn't know it was anorexia until 2017. So, so recent, recent as fuck. So you're starting to be more intimate. Mm -hmm. You're starting to have sex with these men and the body count is adding up. And Lord knows at this time, even for me, body Wait. count matters. People care how many men you sleep with, because mm -hmm. this essentially determines the value that you have as a woman. And like, you know, it just, look, that shit, I literally did not give a fuck. I did not give a fuck because I love sex and I like to express myself sexually. I like to join with other people sexually. Did you ever feel shame in this? I just know a lot of people, both men and women guilt trip women to feeling shame in themselves for being sexually liberated. And even going back in history, if you were a nympho, you would be put in a crazy house less than a hundred years ago. Like they literally did not feel like a woman should be this sexual or desire sex. So can you, can you share a part where someone did try to guilt trip you? Oh yeah. I had some partners, one of them who was mentally ill, who would say things and like, like bash me for it. Um, there weren't many partners uh, that were like, literally I can count them on one hand and I've had many partners. So, so it was a very small fraction. And also from that, I, I realized that, oh, these niggas don't need to know what I'm doing out here. As long as you know that I'm healthy, I'll give you my tests. I'll let you know that I'm taking care of myself. But you don't need to know exactly who else I'm fucking with and what I'm doing with them unless you ask. So I was under a don't ask, don't tell policy. And it's worked.
you know, so um, because what I refused to do was enter into partnership with anybody who would choose to uh, degrade me or dog me out for me flexing my sexual autonomy. But you can do that all day, every day. And say, it doesn't matter who else I'm fucking. Oh, we're together right now. Well, nigga, I'm flexing that shit on you too. It don't matter who I'm fucking. We're fucking right now. And I have no STIs. And if I did, if I was living with one, I will let you know. So you can make that decision on whether you want to fuck with me or not. And that's it. So I was like, I'm not going to lessen my sexual experience. All because what? The male fragile ego. Right. Fuck y'all ego. The hell? I got needs. (laughs) I want to get into now you are being intimate. You are becoming more of a woman into your adulthood. I mean, at this point, what point did your relationship start to tarnish with men? It's tarnished from the first nigga. Oh, Jesus. It's tarnished from the first nigga because he was gaslighting me, to be honest with you. I feel like (laughs) let's get into it. You are being gaslit. You talked about it. We talked about it prior to to recording. But being gaslit and being the person receiving that, what does that look like and what does it mean? It's basically when someone is trying to invalidate how you're feeling and make you feel like your feelings are not valid, your thoughts are not valid. Basically, like turning you into a liar. When you know your intuition is telling you something, you know that there is truth in this. But they try to twist things and make it seem like. So give us an example. Can you share a time where you realized you were even being gaslit? No, I didn't realize I was being gaslit in any of my relationships until 2018. Uh, No, no, no. 2019. I didn't realize what it was until last year. I didn't even know that that was a thing because because. I would just I would just always say I felt crazy because I because I was being blamed for everything. Oh, you did this. You did that. You broke my heart. You, 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 you. And they never took responsibility for anything. And so then I internalize it all like, well, maybe I'm just a bad person. Maybe I just don't deserve to be in romantic relationships. Maybe I'm broken. Blah, blah, blah. Do you know how many women experience this and probably feel like they do not deserve yep. love because of the relationships and failed relationships that they've had where they've been gaslit, but for whatever reason, they feel like it is their fault and maybe they're not meant to be loved. (sighs) The first time I ever heard that I did nothing wrong was when I was going into polyamory coaching and the coach told me, she was just like, have you ever felt like every relationship that you were in, like you were the reason why it failed? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I'm here to tell you that that's not true, that you didn't do anything wrong, that you're innocent. And I was like, no one has ever told me that before. And I started crying my eyes out because I was like, all this time I've been feeling like I'm the wrong one when I know I've been doing everything that I can, showing up as full as I can, being as loving as I could. And I will also say this. I mean, I know that I was dealing with self-esteem issues and that there were uh, things that I was doing that probably did not help the situation at all. But no one deserves to be lied to when you know your intuition is on point. And that's when you get like the, huh? And and, and best believe, nine times out of ten, if a woman is asking you a question, it's because she already has the answer. (laughs) Because I always felt like I had to edit myself. I always felt like before I spoke, I had to be very tactful about what I would say or else it would spark 
this whole argument that would end up with me being like, yeah, you're right. You know, I didn't even know until last year that I was going through that shit. And I thought that I thought it was normal. I thought, you know, but my mom was the one to tell me in my first relationship that I was in an abusive relationship because I would try to. Wait, 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 wait. How did your mom have to tell you that you were in an abusive relationship? Now, did you not realize you were in one? Because it was all emotional. And I had, I look, I haven't had that many romantic relationships. So the first one that I was in, you know, I just wanted to do everything to make sure that like this was going to work. And I started changing. I started shifting and taking parts of myself away and diminishing my light to try to fit him. A lot of us do that. And look, I couldn't even look in another nigga direction without him making a comment and making it seem like, like, like I'm trying to get at the nigga. Like, and at the time, because I've always been non-monogamous, but I was trying to be monogamous. So maybe he saw something that I didn't. Um, but whenever I would look in a direction, it, it could have been me looking behind the nigga and just me looking in the direction would trigger him and it would start a whole argument. And so I would just do things to try to be like as complicit as possible. And my mom was just like, this is not the person who I raised. You're changing yourself to fit with this person. This is emotional abuse. This is not okay. And what a lot of women do when they date is they change who they are. They take away things about mm -hmm. themselves to appeal more to who they are dating, to maybe come across as more girlfriend-like yep. or more wifey material. And women literally lose themselves. And doing that is literally diminishing your power and your light. And my astrologer told me, don't do that. You cannot do that. And she also told me, like, you are a hopeless romantic. Like, you need romance. Of course, but we, we grow up wanting to be princesses and all this. Because of the fucking narratives that are... That are put out there, I know. But then when it's in, when it's in your star chart, like, when the cosmos... Now, you know I don't believe that. I know you don't. But I'm, but I'm just saying, like, whether you believe it or not, there are influences that have control over who you are right. and how you express yourself. And... As a creative being, you have control over all that shit, too. Right. So so I'm not the kind of person that believes in astrology and the power of the stars and just like, oh, well, it is what it is. I also know that you can change your narrative at any time because you are just that powerful of a being, no matter what the aspects say. Right. You know what I mean? So you have power over that. You literally do. Like, we as women definitely have more power than we like to let ourselves believe. I mean... Also, you, you got to think of where we where our mind is. It's almost as if we have this delusional um, mindset of where we where we are, where we could be, where we're going. And even with you, you did not even know that you were in an abusive state until your mother let you know that. So when you when you realize that, where did your mind go? Like, what did that do to you? Yo, it, it was like. A wake up call. Because you always think like, no, that would never be me. Like, I'll never be that person. Yo, and then just realizing that I had become that person. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to me. And it was scary because I really had to ghost the nigga. Like I had, because there was no other choice. Because if I was to try to talk to him about leaving, he would guilt trip me into staying. And because his mother had passed away when he was younger, like at 12, and he would say stuff like, every time you try to break up with me or leave me, it's like my mom is dying all over again. Gaslit. Oh. I was gaslit the fuck up. And I was 
I was made as uh, to believe that I was the reason why he was experiencing so much pain in his life. Right. And a lot of the men that I have been in like romantic partnership with or had some emotional connection to and was fucking would use me as a scapegoat. So I didn't know that that was gaslighting until recently. So it made me look at all my relationships like, what the fuck is going on? And then learning that I was a codependent. Codependent. Can you explain what that is? It's crazy that you even brought that word up because my mother most recently received that word as a way to explain herself and how she reacts in her relationships, um, specifically her recent, her, her current one now. And so, yeah, like a lot of people may not know that this is exactly who they are, but can you explain to the women listening? Because maybe this is a word that explains them and they may be unaware of it. So can you explain what codependent is? And Codependency what is a behavioral condition in a relationship where one person enables another person's addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement. Among the core characteristics of codependency is an excessive reliance on other people for approval and a sense of identity. That is what codependency is. And even though my parents raised me to be a leader and be strong and, and be confident in myself, along the way, I had adopted these narratives from experiences from like peers, primarily peers, that... I just took as truth and right. then facts of the matter that quote unquote validated it. Right. And then internalized it. And so I felt like I needed everybody's approval and being an empath, being a person who feels energy. I felt responsible for people's pain. So I became a people pleaser very early on because I want to fit in and be accepted and all of that. And that turned into co-dependency. And then I would also guilt trip other people into believing that they had to take care of me. Um, and yeah, shit got kind of ugly, yo. And I didn't even realize it until recently that I was a codependent. And I started to see how it was affecting my relationships with my mom, my dad, my sister, who's my best friend, and my lover, like every single last relationship. And I was just bawling my eyes out because I was like, man, what the fuck? Did I really leave a trail of tears? Like, did I really do that? Because I was like, okay, if all of my relationships, quote unquote, have failed, and that was also a, a warped perception based on codependency, and cognitive dissonance, which you develop when you are a codependent, cognitive dissonance is, is you questioning everything you do and say. Because when you are seeking the approval of other people, you don't rely on your own voice. I mean, once again, a bit crazy that you even bring that up because a part of it also makes us like self-sabotage what we have going on. Like even in my new relationship right now, like if he just goes a few hours without responding, I'm like, oh my God, yeah. he wants to break uh, up with me. He doesn't want to be with me. What's going on? And it's it's literally oh as if we're triggered. even when things are going great, even when we are receiving what we're putting back out, we question if this is real because we're so used to almost feeling like we are undeserving of that love that we're receiving. Or we question why we're not receiving the love that we think we should be deserving. And it's almost like an overthinking now going on. And I mean, 
not to get into the stars <laughs> and moons, not sure if it's a Libra thing or not, but a lot of us do this. A lot of us lean into almost a bit of self-sabotage. And, and this is normal for a lot of women. And even taking it back to dating here as a woman, we're wearing all these different masks. If we want to be wife, we're going to behave a certain way. If we want to, you know, become your girlfriend, we're going to let you know that we know how to cook and clean and do all of these wifey yep. type of, you know, things. But then also if we just want to fuck, we're going to let you know how big of a freak we are. And then still that doesn't Fucked even work. Up that as women, we have to deal with all of this. And then it seems that men can just walk off and be who they want to be without any consequence. And, to look back at the the most, I would say, influential relationships that I had and seeing that I was being played because I was vulnerable, I was like, damn. So I actually was attracting this energy because I was dependent. I was attracting this energy because I was dependent on other people's approval. And because of that, yes, men can see when somebody, no matter how bold you appear physically, they can tell emotionally when you're weak and they prey on that. And some men are consciously doing it and others are unconsciously doing it because they are also damaged and triggered as well. Um, so it, it's so interesting because... I've, I've seen this like and it took it took for me to actually take ownership for the fact that I was a codependent to move out of that space and take ownership for the part that I played. But also knowing that, OK, I did not deserve to be um, manipulated, but literally none of us do. And, and, and that's the crazy thing of it. We as women are raised to nurture. We're raised to care We're we're raised to be the strong person and head of household and 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 like i said like i've said this before women are raised to love men are raised to manipulate and so that's why they do also have their guard up in terms of letting us in and bearing their emotions because shit they grew up not to cry as little boys we grew up to to show our emotions and that it's okay because that's what women do. That's what girls do. And we're allowed to. But in this realm of where you have to become one of two or one of a, you know, one half of a partnership, there lies a strain where we question everything we do because it still doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit into the puzzle or idea of, of who we are supposed to be in this pod, you know, two peas in a pod, this yin and yang, we still question ourselves, you know? Listen, we can have a whole conversation on that codependent shit because, Lord. But listen, even leaning back on that codependent word, like, do you know how many women are probably listening to this and are like, you know what? Let me go ahead and Google this codependency word because it may relate to my ass if we being honest. No, if you heard that and you felt triggered, then that's it. And you really need to look into like treatment because it's a real thing. Like I, I am not afraid to say, hi, I'm Tayomi and I'm a recovering codependent because, and I'm happy that I found it. I am. It, it affected my relationship so much. And I didn't even see it with the people that I love the most. And when I saw how it affected my relationship with my mom and my sister, primarily, I was like, no, I need to change this. Cause I love them too much to let this shit that really is not me. 
shift our connection. So if you heard that and you felt triggered, please seek help because it's a real thing and it can demolish your entire life if you let it. Y'all heard it from me. Y'all heard it from me. I had a healthy a healthy childhood for the most part. Sure, I had my like a butt hairs of my mom a lot because we are just like smart mouth, all that shit. You know what I mean? But it was the experiences that I had outside of my home with my peers and then men, men specifically, where I I developed this. And and it wasn't even it, I would say with, with my relationships with men, it deepened it. And so I want y'all to know that part two, that is what you guys are going to hear. Y'all are going to see how, although being raised in a healthy environment with men, entering adulthood and opening yourself up as far as energies and literally, bitch, opening them legs to these men can and will trigger something in you to where now your relationship and your mindset on men completely change. And the second part of this is where we're going to get into using that thing between your legs, your box for a means of survival and almost an entryway into what we both are now a part of in this world of, of sex work. Um, and so I'm excited for you guys to hear that. Of course, as always, I'm going to leave you guys with a few stats and facts um, on codependency and on just the relationships that most women have with with fathers growing up, um, specifically in our community. So stay tuned for that and hope you enjoyed this part one of a special part two interview series. All right. I have to follow up to leaving an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. What was the decision? There's a moment. Was it physically, verbally, ver verbally both? Uh, psychological, verbal, okay, okay. Um, and a, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And at what what moment was it? Several instances, or yes. at some moment you decided. Uh, it's something. So a line got drawn in the sand, and it got crossed, and my brain just switched, and I knew it was going to be very difficult, but I just couldn't go any further. I was on a cellular level. The fact that I stood up for myself, the fact that, I, and it, none of the, leaving those situations is easy because it's wrought with self-doubt, particularly if someone damages your self-esteem, yeah. which is, yeah. I mean, you, people say to me, they knew me then, they're like, you're a complete, I didn't have self-esteem, I, it, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm a different person now, and it's part of the reason I can stand up and say, yes, I'm ambitious, and yes, because someone tried to take that from me. From me, from me, from me. So I really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Tayomi. Um, I absolutely adore her. Um, and I wanted to get into some more um, insights on codependency. If you guys were still like, am I codependent? Do I react this way? Um, I wanted to just include some more signs of codependency. Um, if you are any of these, you may have a codependent um, sort of personality or be codependent in relationships. Um, basically, signs of codependency include difficulty making decisions in a relationship, difficulty identifying your feelings, difficulty communicating in a relationship, valuing the approval of others more than valuing yourself, and Tayomi definitely touched to that, and also lacking trust in yourself and having poor self-esteem. Um, it's weird because we kind of just assume those to be things that, you know, kind of just come with being 
a woman or being an adult or growing to learn who you are. Um, and there's actually a word for it. Um, also real quick, I wanted to give you before we head out of here and before you guys again, check out the second part of this tomorrow on Tuesday, it'll be released. Um, if you're catching up, go ahead and, and enjoy it right away, right after. But I wanted to leave you guys with five steps to help you stop being codependent. Um, one of course is to understand what codependency looks like to you. Two is figure out your relationship. Um, find out where you're relationship expectations are coming from so are they coming from television are they coming from your parents and and how you viewed their relationship growing up um where are your relationship expectations coming from number three is to establish boundaries for yourself in relationships four resist the urge to fix control or save um, and then, of course, number five is to prioritize your own growth, which is also very, very, very important, not only in relationships, but in friendships, in the workspace um, and just for yourself. Prioritize yourself. Um, once again, I want you guys all to stay tuned. Um, go ahead and follow me at official box owner on Instagram to stay up to date. Guys, we are releasing a subscription box. I am super, 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 super excited. The box is coming. Um, you can find out literally how I put this whole brand and concept together um, on Patreon. If you go over to patreon.com backslash official box owner, not only can you support the movement of what is to take place with this entire, entire project. Um, you can kind of be able to see it from start to finish. And I'm going to be giving you some bonus content on over there on the Patreon. So again, join me. That's patreon.com backslash official box owner. Follow me everywhere at Full Court Pumps. I'm your host. Again, stay tuned. We're bringing you a second one this week. So two episodes, and I'm super excited for you guys to enjoy yet another episode of Period Sis. Bye.